0: What do you love about the craft beer industry? Is it the liquids, the creativity, or perhaps the physical breweries themselves? For me, it's the people, and more specifically, the stories they have to tell. I love hearing them, but sharing them with you is even better. I'm Chris Lukinenko. Welcome to the Beer Healer Interviews. Once upon a time, the city of Longceston was dominated by a single brewery down on the Esplanade. Oh, how times have changed. In recent times, an army of smaller brews have been staking their claim on the town, including one who has kind of taken things to the next level and set up their first brew pub in the CBD, Duquesne Brewing. Founder Will Horan has been brewing beers for around a decade, honing his skills as a home brewer and sharing his beers with mates and maybe a few of his clients when he was working as a mountain trek tour guide. Upon making the decision to change careers, from the outside looking in at least, things seem to have moved along pretty quickly and we might have a lot to, to unpack here, so let's bloody get into it. Welcome to the Beer Hill Interviews, came Brewing founder, Will Horan. Thanks, Chris. Thanks very much. Looking forward to this, mate. Uh, there is plenty uh, to get into with this one and even though I've done in-depth research, I think there's a lot I'm going to learn tonight, which is what I love about doing these podcasts is when I don't, don't know everything about uh, what's been going on. So, mate, yeah, it's up to no you to problem.
1: entertain me tonight that intro was sensational. You'd reminded me of things I'd forgotten in there, so that was, that was a great, <laughs> great start.
0: <laughs> so, so, mate, in 2015, you won Launceston's most pre- prestigious home brewing competition at arguably Launceston's most popular craft beer bar, St. John's. That's a bit of a way to start a career, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, long most prestigious I suspect Long only, <laughs> only homebrew competition, <laughs> yeah. to be honest. But, but still, nevertheless. I was trying to like, talk yeah. you up. Thanks. Yeah, sorry, mate. I should have just gone with that. But um <laughs> no, it definitely yeah, that that was that was pretty exciting at the time, actually. And that's um yeah, I guess that's where it all began. But uh How how long yeah. had you
0: actually been home brewing for, for before you entered that competition?
1: Actually, a fair while. I think, like a lot of people, I probably really got into it in uni. Um, <laughs> but like, my, my parents were quite. Let into me guess. It. Wait, wait. you got into it? You need to save money on beer. Well, oh, I reckon I, I may, I may have actually been a. Like my parents were quite into it. Um, my parents oh. are both ag scientists, so I've kind of always oh. had a bit of an appreciation for like the raw ingredient, I guess. Yeah. And the first, so the first batch of beer i home brewed i malted raw barley so i really you know went oh, from scratch serious so stuff from the start yeah, yeah so i probably i mean i'm sure there was an element of that um but yeah it was probably more just um kind of taking a leash from my parents book which was to really get to kind of the root of you know whether yeah. it's food or beverage like i think i was quite lucky growing up in that way that they grew a lot of their own food and sort of made a lot of their own Drinks and preserved a lot of their own. I can just
0: imagine Mr. and Mrs. Horan, when you, uh, if you'd have started off the the traditional way, which is the kit and kilo Cooper's kit, they would have just been looking down on you so disappointed. Oh, we've given him all this brain power. We're egg (laughs)
1: scientists, and he goes and does a kit and kilo brew. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. So I think maybe I was uh, my hand was forced there, but I kind of um I went in head first. They weren't I mean, they weren't very good. Like I thought you know, <laughs> incredible, obviously, but some of those first batches were absolutely shocking.
0: Did you start off with a bogue's draft clone, being that you're from the north of the state?
1: No, get this. I think the first beer I made was meant to be a wheat imperial stout and <laughs> probably came out at like about five uh, you know, in the low fives, five and yeah. a half percent. Like I'm there's, all, there's so many issues to get into. Uh, yeah, so it's you know disastrous, really. But um, I started out ambitiously anyway. Did you take that rest.
0: scientific approach in the early days, whereby you basically brew, brew, change one thing, brew it again, change one thing, keep you know those iterative steps, as opposed to me who were just like brew this, they brew that, they brew another.
1: Yeah, not very much so. And that that was kind of the that was kind of it from there. Like for that. Maybe ten year or slightly less period of home brewing. I pretty much only brewed two or three beers from there. One of them was a pale ale. That's pretty much the pale ale I make now with Duquesne, and the other one was a stout. And that's still the I've probably made that stout more than any other beer. And that's the that's the stout I still make now. So that oh wow, yeah, that was very that was very much the um the approach I took. I just so
0: so diligent and focused and just sticking to what you need. That's everything I couldn't do in the bloody brew shed.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, I'm not 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 to say I'm the most diligent brewer, but I think, um, yeah, I, I took a lot of enjoyment out of that sort of repeatedly brewing the same recipes and maybe just tweaking them or, or you know refining them. And I guess, like, I started out like pretty much everyone, I think, making the beers that I wanted to drink. So there was in some yep. ways no reason to depart from that. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Time hey. for a quick break. Don't worry, I won't take long. If you like this story and want to hear more, please subscribe via your favourite podcast service so that you are notified of new episodes. You can also rate the podcast on Apple and Spotify to help others find it. And if you don't follow me on the socials, check me out. I think I go a lot over there. Now, back to the story. Hey! Um, just in case nobody has been to your website and read this, can you just recount the story of you and your mate Andy trekking on Cradle Mountain when you actually pulled out your first beer to share with him?
1: Oh, yeah. This was... um. I don't, I don't, maybe the website does say Cradle Mountain. It was actually on, um, we went up Federation Peak. Oh, so it was a just, it's a
0: mountain to me. I'm, I'm not a mountain climber. Come yeah, on. It, it, it may
1: say <laughs> that. I mean. I don't yeah, know. <laughs> the, the, writers, the writers always, there's a little bit of artistic um, license. Probably, maybe yeah, Cradle's yeah, yes. story a little bit better. But <laughs> yeah, we kind of had, we had a bit of a mission. We went in um, from Farmhouse Creek and it's a bit of a slog in there. It's not that. It's like it's not that far. It's only about. I don't know, maybe 18 or 20Ks each way, but we were, it's a pretty rough track and I'd taken one really nice beer. Well, a, a bottle of stout basically, one, a beer that we thought would be really nice up there. And we, um, yeah, got up, summoned, got up on top and I'd poured it out, you know, pretty carefully. We had this kind of panoramic view up on top of Federation and um, I'll have to... I'll have to kind of level up with you here. I think in the story it says that Andy kicked it over. That's not true either. Oh, no, I actually kicked it over. Oh, I it was you to was to shift it? the plane. So <laughs> I pulled it out. We were just like kind of yeah, like we were in heaven up there. And um, yeah, I just spun around and just absolutely booted the the two cups. So that was um, <laughs> So you that were that. you were
0: about to drink the best beer in the world and they just spilled all over the rocks.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it would have been pretty good anyway, but, um, yeah, there's something about drinking a beer in a spot like that that just, you know, elevates it's, it.
0: Yeah, it's funny you should say that because um, our, our friend, will touchlet Van Diemen, he, back in the mm. day when we used to do this podcast, used to be five questions at the end, and mm. one of them was, was what the best beer you've ever had or something like that. And he used to always say it doesn't need to be the best beer to be the best beer because he said his best beer was drinking something along the lines of a... I don't know a Sing or a Kingfisher or one of those sort of crappy international beers from the region. When he was climbing Everest, and yeah. uh, so he said, "You know that's that's his best beer," but yeah. it, you wouldn't if you just took that beer out of that sort of setting and drank it. I don't know, on your couch, you'd be like, "No, nah, this is this is rubbish." Yeah. Do you do yeah. you feel the same way? And did you do you feel you've actually lost that moment that you could have had the best beer of your life?
1: Oh, I mean that. Really, that sort of hurts, actually, when you put it. I haven't even thought about <laughs> it <like> that. <laughs> no, but I, I couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that sentiment, and I, I'm sure Will and I've talked about that before, actually, because I completely agree with that. I think, um, yeah, I think all my sort of best beer experiences they're so sort of linked with places and experiences, and that's kind of how I got into. I really got into beer. Um, in the first place because I was, um, I was traveling a lot and that, that's, com- that's completely my approach to it that, yeah, I think it's very contextual and yeah, I mean beer was really just an element to these great experiences I was having in traveling and meeting other people and experiencing these great places. And that's, you know, that was walking, bushwalking in Tassie, but that was, yeah, traveling all over the place and kind of, um, to be yeah, nice. to the thing that tied it all, tied it all together. Beer makes the world go round,
0: I reckon. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So, so winning that competition obviously opened up a few doors for you to allow you to make the career switch um, mm. through a job offer at Morrison. But,
1: mm. but
0: was that career change always on your radar at some stage?
1: No, 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 not at all. No. Nah. Oh, really? Not even. Yeah, not even. Not even close. Um, oh wow. Yeah, I, I really hadn't thought about. I really hadn't thought about doing that at all. I was pretty. Yeah. I mean guiding is a tough job but I was pretty involved in it um, and I was yeah I loved it like I was doing a lot of guiding and really thought I'd just keep keep doing that maybe have a bit of a departure because the long trips become a bit challenging um, on you know relationships And but I was doing a lot oh, of fly yeah. fishing guiding and I really loved that and that's more sort of day trip based so I really thought I'd just stick just stick with guiding and brewing was just a, a hobby yeah and I really didn't think I'd go any further than that. And that um yeah, that little homebrew competition just totally turned that around for me.
0: And so how did that happen? Basically the the beer that you won with you were able to brew mm. at
1: Morrison Brewery. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I actually um I actually got I, I, I had first and second place. That year. Not <laughs> to you know not to whatever big Ed. So, but, <laughs> but Paul um Paul when I met him was kind enough to let me choose. He just said, brew whichever one you want, I guess. Oh. Um, So I did. I brewed the stout and, you know, we sort of kept in touch. It was shocking brew day. Um, like it's an oatmeal. So it's kind of, I guess it's it's probably an export stout principally, but it does have, you know, oats just happen to be a yep. fairly... Um, you know, high percentage ingredient in it. So which yeah, it was that was kind of that steep learning curve where I realized that homebrew recipes don't necessarily <laughs> translate that well to commercial scale recipes. And we yeah, we had a really long day of it. But Paul was um yeah, very, very kind. Would what, what you have like a stuck sparge or something along those lines? Or it's just pretty much stuck mash right from the start. Right. So yeah, stuck okay. Yeah. Couldn't couldn't louder. We couldn't yeah, We couldn't really do anything with it, but we struggled through and yeah, and got there. But um, I, I was certainly wishing, and Paul was probably wishing that we'd gone with the other beer at some point <laughs> during that day. So, did but, um,
0: even though you had the problems, did you did you hit all your, your specs and everything at the end?
1: Uh, we were probably it was another five percent wasn't enough. it? It was, yeah, not, <laughs> not quite five, but it was probably, yeah, it, it was certainly um, pretty inefficient to brew. Yeah, the recipe I had. I certainly tweaked it after that because I ended up brewing it. Um, you know, not a lot, but a, a couple more times um, on Paul's brew house there over the years. Um, and yeah, I mean that was oh god, I had such a good time there because Paul kegged it and basically just, I mean, St John put it on, which was sort of the idea because they were involved in the competition. But then just dispersed a few kegs around the state, and me and my mate Bert. Um, basically, just went on tour and drank it down. At, you know, like, like Winston <laughs> put it on. Then as yeah. was uh, preachers. You know, so we just went around and drank it everywhere. Nice. And I've got all these great photos of me just with a pint of it. But, you know, like oh, on the I it's was just that? in a new. <coughs> it was um, yeah, a lot of a lot of fun. And then yeah, kept in touch Did- with Paul, and um, yeah, he ended up offering me a job, which was which was yeah, pretty exciting.
0: So, so what about the whole idea to create Duquesne, the brand? Was that sort of maybe entering your head when you were doing that tour around Tassie or after Paul offered you a job or how long did it take you to sort of think about that? that?
1: Was, yeah, that was a, a couple of years later. Um, so I was still, because that, that kind of period was, oh I guess, two or three years of still guiding um, a fair bit right. over the summer and then brewing with Paul um, kind of in between or, or mostly over the winter where where there's, um, yeah, not really any guiding work in Tassie, or there certainly wasn't back then. Um, and I was still doing a bit of travelling. Uh, so I guess it was probably not until 2018 where I really kind of, um, that idea came together. Were you came- on some,
0: some Contiki tour in Spain or something? and.
1: Uh, I was decided. Up, I was in the I was in the states. Actually, my partner yeah. was born in in Boston, and we were up in Maine. Oh, where how she good's that? Grew up, yeah. yeah nice. So kind of visiting some some pretty inspirational breweries in, Va- I fucking in Maine. Fucking love Boston. I love it. Yeah, love Boston. So Trillium was fairly new, yeah. but also the like Oxbow in Maine, Hill Farmstead, obviously. Like oh, yeah. going around to a lot of these breweries and yeah, just feeling pretty inspired by that. scene. In the US, I mean, I know that's kind of been huge for a while, but it's still, it's still just evolving all the time. And Maine in particular, like Portland, Maine was yep. a phenomenal beer city in 2018 and w- would be now and had been for a while. But I think, yeah, that's probably as good as it's ever been, um, that part of Maine or yeah. part of the northeast in terms of beer. So, yeah, I, I was feeling pretty inspired then. Um, and... Yeah, it sort of coincided with um, the walking company I was working for. I was trying to get beer into the huts, um, so it's kind of this glamping version of the oh, overland yeah. track. Yeah. That was that was most of the guiding I was doing then during these six day overland trips. And yeah, I, I guess I'd become pretty passionate. Obviously, I was working with Paul, or I had been for a couple of years at that point, and I was pretty passionate about craft beer at this stage. And just thought this walk, you know, the walking company that's sort of promoting small Tassie producers like in terms of food and wine, but beer just for some reason wasn't on the, wasn't on the radar. And part of that was that it's pretty, um, it's pretty remote up there. So the provisioning is either done by carrying stuff or by chopper just a couple of times a year. And canned offerings were either, I mean, there were a few craft can offerings, but mostly it was like the big boys or yep. a lot of the craft stuff was still in bottles and, um, Yep. You know, Paul stuff included. Yeah, yeah, and that's not very efficient to fly. Not, no, you know, not to mention trying to carry. Um, yeah, a bit heavy. So I basically kind of pitched to the company that um, if I found a brewery where I could sort of commission a full batch of canned beer, um, maybe we could get up, get that up there, and then I just thought, well, actually, why don't I just um, you know, I'll just do it, have a little side project and I'll just make the beer for the huts. So that that's kind of how it started. Just a cheeky devil, Yeah, and those first, and Paul was great as always and said, you know, go for it. Um, and I got East, East Coast were coming down. They were doing a bit of, as in East Coast canning, they were yep. canning with a couple of breweries down here at that time. So I contacted them and it sort of looked like it all checked out and um, Yes, yeah, so I went for it, brewed that brewed that uh, pale ale that i have been brewing for a fair while and a Pilsner, which was kind of, yep. I mean, there were a couple of Tassie Pilsners then, a couple of really good ones, Moo Brew being probably the yeah. main one that had been around yep. for a fair while at that point. Um, but like in probably the last year, like even in the US, you know, like this is kind of that real resurgence of lager and Pilsner, I guess, yeah. that era, five-ish Four or five years ago. Um, and even in Europe, like I've been in, yeah, I mean, Pil- I think Pilsner's just been, it's never really gone away, certainly not in yeah. continental Europe, but it was like it really came back to the fore. Um, and I just bloody love drinking it. So, I yeah, me it
0: too. Other. Me too. Talking depression to the, that'd be the other
1: one. Yeah. 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 So, so um, yeah, I brewed those two and they both, um, yeah, both made it up to the, and they oh, were the uh,
0: the little white labelled silver bullets that we drank there for a while. Exactly. Yep. yep. Absolutely. So so Paul Morrison, um, owner of Morrison Brewery was 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 your boss. I guess he helped yep. teach you the ropes in terms of learning how to brew on a commercial scale as opposed to a home brew. But did yep. he also, you know, help you out with learning the ropes around around the business side of things?
1: Um oh, he certainly. Would have, but I was also pretty gung-ho. I mean, Paul is, you know, he, he couldn't be more generous with his time, but he's also, for people that know him, he's pretty um, he's pretty reserved. So if you yep. come to him with anything, he'll, he'll give you all the time in the world. But um, I just sort of thought, oh, Paul makes it look easy, so I'll just kind of... And to be fair, it was a pretty <laughs> small-scale operation, or I thought it was going to be at this stage. Um, and then I spoke to Luke Dempsey of St. John Distribution or Sonic right. Distribution. Sonic, yeah, great bead. I can't remember when it changed, but it was yeah, yeah, somewhere around there. And I'd known Luke for a fair while and sort of told him what I was up to and asked him if he thought it would have, you know, broader appeal. And he was like, go for it. So I, <laughs> yeah. I certainly wasn't going to go any broader with it until Luke, Said that or came on board, like I didn't have any interest in, you know, trying to sell it elsewhere. Like that just wasn't what I was thinking at all. I certainly didn't have big plans with it, but I guess that kind of changed that aspect of it. When Luke said he'd be keen to rep it, um, yeah, and okay, probably, you know, have, have broader appeal. So I thought, oh, well, maybe we'll, yeah, fair enough, Keep it ticking along, fair enough. Um, yeah. so during your time at
0: Morrison, were you? purely assistant or did you you know put out a couple of beers that had your own stamp on them or anything like that
1: um yeah paul i mean paul gave me a lot of flexibility really like in hindsight even in my first couple of years like he was he was um yeah super generous with allowing me i guess some of the creative control because he has a lot of different projects in terms of limited releases but he does a lot of sort of festivals um oh yeah you know like panama festival for example which is coming up um he he makes all the beers for that so yeah paul was always great with letting me kind of put my own put my own spin on certain beers um and yeah i guess taking taking a lot of the credit for it because you know i mean every time a new beer is made you end up in some sort of social setting where people are trying it and someone's kind of Taking the credit for it and I think Paul was actually yeah pretty kind in sort of letting me just with certain things and he, he obviously had his babies <laughs> which were the original Morrison recipes <laughs> which I you know I just brewed to the best yep. of my abilities and also certain every now and then he he had a you know red hot idea and um that was yeah those, those were Paul's beers and some bloody good ones, obviously, and also some bloody yeah. crazy ones because occasionally he goes he goes right out there. <laughs> so I'm, I'm assuming you would consider him a, a bit of a mentor, but
0: I just was wondering yeah, if there's anybody absolutely. else sort of in and around Launceston town that you might have sort of slapped the big M label onto it all.
1: Yeah, definitely Stu, because um, I'd known Stu for a while. Yep, I guess so. Stu Grant for people that Stu not know, yeah,
0: from Ocho Brewing, Miner's Gold now.
1: Yeah, yeah. So definitely, definitely Stu, because he was um, the crazy I scientist. Guess, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I spent, um, you know, I spent a lot of time um, at the homebrew club meetings in Launceston, which is. Yeah, which was great actually, and yep. meeting a lot of other keen home brewers. Um, yeah, and people from there kind of went on to do all kinds of other stuff. Swifty uh, with kicks now. Oh yeah, yeah, yep. Um, uh, Bill Armstrong, who ended up working at uh, Three Ravens back then, and yes, yeah, Stu went on to well, firstly get a
0: Van Diemen wasn't it first yeah.
1: Yep. yeah, yeah, which was pretty right, I guess, similar timing or maybe slightly before I started at Morrison. Really remember, and um, yeah, and kind of maybe that was part of what what inspired me to to start Duquesne as well. Just seeing Stu kind of take that leap with, yeah, Ocho well, I guess he
0: he's yeah, started the Ocho brand under the Van Diemen watch, yeah, pretty much, was yeah, making
1: in there, yeah. So I guess I thought, oh, well, that, yeah, that looks that actually looks achievable, um, but yeah, spent a lot of time with Stu, and um. Yeah, probably. I can't uh, speak highly enough of uh, catching up with Stu and Will. Uh, we we do something called Premium Night, where <laughs> what is paid, it was like a bottle, it was like a bottle share, I guess. Yeah. We kind of um, pile together some some cool cool shit that we'd all had from the cellar or had brought back from travels. Um, I think I, I think the first one we it was. Pretty much all Hill Farmstead bottles, and you know, just went oh, wow. through and just shot ideas, and that like that's so inspiring. I think when when you kind of oh well, in Will's case, he'd been you know he'd been an Elmer Van Demon for years at that point, but for Stu yeah. and I, who were kind of just getting into the industry or about to get into the industry, it was um, yeah, those nights were there were a lot of a lot of ideas hatched around those tables.
0: I love it when Will gets excited. He lets you in on the in a, in a circle a little bit and lets you try some crazy stuff. And-
1: <laughs> the, the guard really, the guard really goes down after a certain point. Yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I love it.
0: Um, yeah. you know, with the contract brewing arrangement, you know, through Morrison, how did that all work for you? Were you pulling double shifts, and you know, financially, how, how did how it all work with with all that sort of thing? Were you working for free and to fund the uh, contract brewing arrangement?
1: Yeah, pretty much, yeah. So I was basically just trying to squeeze it in between because Paul, I mean, you know, I was brewing his beers, but Paul also took on several other contract brewers. So I guess as time time went on, um, Paul was probably more and more generous with letting, you know, moving my stuff up the list because, I mean, yeah, one of the biggest – Issues or not, just just general concerns in any brewery scheduling. Like it gets, it can get pretty tight. And beer is still so seasonal in Tassie. So you know that kind of four or five month period in particular over summer and the shoulder of summer is just it's so busy. And I think um, yeah, I was pretty lucky that Paul kind of uh, yeah let me keep keep squeezing them in because it did um, it did get pretty busy with Duquesne even in those first couple of years. Um, I just found the cans were selling a lot better than I thought, and then these walking company orders because they only provisioned a couple of times a year. It'd be like you know, full pallets at a time. So um, yeah, my organisational skills are not not incredible. <laughs> so I was often like, oh shit, I've, to- I've sort of miscalculated here. Like, do you reckon I could squeeze in a, a double batch? You know, the end of this week. And yeah, Paul was always really good about. Shuffling that around, but yeah, I, I was pretty much, um, yeah, running running that business. But I guess, um, yeah, not really, you know, working for free essentially on those decaying, yeah, brew days, yeah,
0: yeah. And and I guess being smaller size, you're sort of saying that there are advantages and disadvantages. You know, disadvantages you've got to be working within a brewery to. Um you know, to get your beers brewed and take a number sort of thing, but then the advantage might be the fact that, you know, you are so small, had a great relationship that, as you say, you could jump the queue every now and then.
1: Yeah, 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 no, exactly.
0: Did yeah. you uh, get other breweries that were contract brewing with, with you there site a little bit or?
1: I knew you were going to ask me that. No, I don't. <laughs> well, they don't, they don't necessarily know this until now that I was uh, prioritizing my <laughs> – no, I, I don't think so. I, I certainly hope not, but um, no, nah, nah, I feel like I yeah, made made um, made a few more good friends, really, with uh, the others that were brewing there. Josh from Buttons, probably one of the oh, yeah. best example when yeah. he started yeah. up. So he, he started up in Alverston on the northwest yep. coast. And, yeah, I mean, great guy. So, you know, Paul obviously got in or he got in touch with Paul and that, that sort of Came up and I started making those beers and yeah, really. Um, and then to see him, you know, grow that into something bigger and better, it's it's yeah. quite, it's cool actually. And I think Paul's probably responsible for giving a lot of a lot of these um, brewers a start. Yeah, it's just, just
0: cool. cool. Hey, there's been lots of great brands and you know. Rockstar brewers that've done the the contract or gypsy brewing thing did you ever mm. think that maybe you could just just stick with that and that would be enough
1: uh, yeah i did i mean yeah, i probably thought that's how it would um that's how it would continue yeah i didn't really think i was going to be that keen on you know going in as heavily as I have now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I sort of, yeah, no, absolutely. I just sort of thought I'd stick with working as a brewer and, yeah. I mean, potentially if it had outgrown Morrison then, you know, looking at brewing it elsewhere. That was definitely on the cards, but, no, I didn't think I'd um, end up with a permanent brewery.
0: Maybe you could just roll it on down to Bogues on the Esplanade and put a few cheeky brews
1: down. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I guess, yeah, I had open those conversations with, um, couple of breweries down south, Shambles were yeah, were, yep. pretty, we're pretty open to it. I'd spoken to Cornell a couple of times. Um like very early conversations, but he was yeah, he was super open to it. it was like, yeah, if we can fit it in, then
0: definitely yeah, nice, love, nice. To,
1: love to help you out. So that was yeah, that was probably getting closer and closer until um yeah, until until all this happened.
0: Yeah. So what were your options that you were initially considering as as your next step once you started to get a bit serious about it?
1: Um. Well, I mean, it's probably worth pointing out that the, the like where Duquesne's ended up now that wasn't that totally came out of the blue for me. Like, I wasn't even. Oh, yeah.
0: Tell us. I wasn't tell even, us.
1: Well, so I, you know, I was just going to kind of keep ticking it along, just because I had a, a, you know, I had other stuff on my plate as well. So I, I really wasn't thinking that I'd um, go all in on it, and then. Sam Reed, who co-founded Willie Smith Cider. Yep. Um, I'd known him for a few years, not really well, but I'd kind of known of him, um, and he'd been living up in Sydney. I'd just sort of seen him around the festival, scene, I guess, in Tassie. And then he moved back to Lonnie uh, a few years ago, and I just caught up with him for a coffee one day. And he, I mean, I knew there was something Going on because when that guy has an idea, he pursues yeah. it. To yeah. a fucking natural conclusion, whatever, Jesus that, whatever that might be. And yeah. yeah, he just said, he was like, Well, I've been thinking about brew pubs and there's still not one in Lonnie. I've noticed oh. <laughs> as I've just yep. moved back. Yep. And I was like, Yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah. I was like, Yeah, no. Yeah, I suppose there isn't. But, you know, ah, well, fucking <laughs> sooner or later, sort of thinking that. And then he was like, No, I'm, you know, I'm, uh, I'm really thinking about it. And, you know, <laughs> Ducane, that seems like it's going well. Seems like it's got an audience. What do you reckon? And you know, so that sort of opened that conversation. And I I don't know if I was super keen to begin with. I certainly thought about it for a while. And then um I guess the flip side of it was that like it's you know, brewing's a lot of work when you're getting paid for it, let alone when you're not. So I guess Yep. You know, Decayne had been. I'd been running it for, I don't know, maybe nearly three years at that point, and, you know, I was like not not burnt out by it, but it was it was a fair bit of work for, you know, to do. Yeah, um, on my own, and, you know, growth is hard, I guess, anyway. But yeah, it's yeah. hard when you maybe yeah, just restricted with time and finance. So I I certainly wasn't looking to grow it. Um, What what about
0: the whole idea of bringing in a business partner? Because often that can be quite a scary thing. They can be your best friend or your family member, but you don't know what what it's like until you're under the stress of, of operating a business and you might not necessarily be, you know, on the same page for everything. Was that a little bit daunting too?
1: It was, but I think, I suspect it's probably even more daunting, like, if I, if you were coming at it from the angle of, uh, say, I was looking to really grow it, and then I thought, okay, I'm going to have to team up with someone here, and, you know, that would, that would obviously seem like a massive leap of faith, but I think for me, it was that I wasn't really, I mean, I was probably getting to the point where I was like, I could kind of take it or leave it here, I mean... I loved it as a project and I was really proud of it, but it was just sort of too much work for the way I was doing it. I didn't really have an easy way of growing it either. So I was at a bit of a crossroads anyway. So when um, so when I teamed up with Sam, it was kind of like he had the ability to help grow it into something bigger than it was going to become. Yep. Um, and, you know, maybe found solutions rather than, yeah. So... I think you know in a way I'm quite uh I'm thankful to him for having that confidence in it then and um yeah sort of having a vision to to not not revive it because like I say I was quite you know I'm quite proud of of it in the way it was um you know received and Continued to be received then, but um, yeah. yeah, I was getting a little bit, a little bit tired by it. Basically, I guess. Yeah.
0: a little bit, a little bit of pressure from the missile as well, just to uh, maybe yeah. have a bit more time with her.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's that, that happened. Came into it too. Yeah. <laughs> you that's don't have kids yet, do you? Uh, I do. Yeah, I've got a, you do. We've got a six-month-old now. Actually. <laughs> okay, look, so there just you go. Recently.
0: A bit more complexity. Congratulations and
1: suck in. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. so back on on you and Sam. What what were you bringing to the table? Was it you bringing the the brand and the brewing knowledge, and he was
1: bringing the I don't know the business, marketing, and venue management type stuff, or? Yeah, basically. Well, the way I guess in a nutshell, the way he pitched it to me was that um, we would kind of you Know, create a venue, create a brew pub essentially, and that I could retain the I guess creative control of the yep. beer. We were going to do a rebrand, which was, I mean, I, I could acknowledge that that's probably necessary anyway, because it was yeah. fairly even though I loved the branding, it was quite tied to those two beers. Um, yes, I certainly hadn't pursued it. Yeah, I you think know, it, any to be fair, it probably
0: wasn't going to allow you to expand much because they were quite no bespoke, it was, you know, the fine yeah. lines and the white, it was quite subtle that if you wanted to go out yeah. there and go bang, obviously the new look with the, the pop of colour and the stronger
1: bolder yeah. branding, you know, and, I, and I can understand first, why, yeah. Yeah, and one of the first things he said that, you know, if you were to, say, expand that range was that it's not really immediately clear that the brewery is Duquesne Brewing and that was like, I, I, could, yep, I certainly couldn't fair. argue with that because it's completely fair. And yep. a lot of people said, um after the rebrand that you know they really loved the old like the old hut in particular and as did i like that was really hard to let go of but i think um you know it's always hard any change is hard and i think now i think it just took time and now that you know that green cans can's and there's still there's still more to come and yeah and the liquid's great so
0: you can't argue with the liquid Mm. so people will bloody (laughs) get over it
1: (laughs) yeah no exactly but um yeah, so that that rebrand was, um, yeah, prob- probably necessary. But no, Sam just basically said that um, you know he was keen to get on board, retain the the feel of it, um, you know, aside from that rebrand, but retain the beers, the feel. Yep. Allow me to kind of you know continue to to push out new beers and basically just um, yeah, just be able to oversee the brewing operations and sam would sort of come in with with capital and um yeah develop a venue and and run the business so yeah, nice. for me at the time i mean that was like really exciting because i just um you know i just didn't think i'd get to that point with it i wasn't looking to get to that point with it but it sort of turned into this quite um attractive idea to me that i could just go back to Making the beers and be really excited about that element I'm, of it. Um, I've got
0: a saying that I use on this podcast, and you won't be familiar with it because you don't fucking listen to it. But that's okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah. for those that do, they'll they'll know that I haven't bought this one out for a little while. But some may say that you've been kissed on the cock by a fairy.
1: <laughs> yeah. With all well, of this. Yeah. No, I can't argue <laughs> that. That's um, that's that's probably fair enough. Because I mean, and. Even now, the more I think about it, like that was yeah, I, I completely I completely backed my instincts then because it, it, it was a great offer. I mean, to be able to sort of, you know, design and commission a brewery yeah. that I would then be working in, it was um yeah, like you know, I mean Sam Sam saw potential in it for for all kinds of reasons, but I still, you know, I still I'm still grateful to him for seeing the yeah. you know, believing in the in the essence of it uh, yeah. as a project. And yeah. when I walk in there now, which I do every day, like it's still, that that hasn't gone. Like he, it's not as if he changed his mind and we've gone down a different route. He completely backs my, you know, my ethos and like there's bloody guides working in there that were good mates of mine and, you know, we're kind of um, decking it out in in old hiking stuff and, <laughs> yeah. It's it's cool. It's it's really cool. Actually, it's kind of yeah. Silly, I, I like it. It feels like
0: the you know the the stars have aligned for you, you know having Sam move back to Launceston, that yeah. chance meeting or not chance meeting the fact that you have put in a whole fuck ton of hard work to get to this stage and yeah. you know some sometimes that's all it takes is just that that chance and you never know where he yeah. might take
1: you. And one of Sam's I guess one of Sam's great skills, um, you know, with with Willies or or whatever, is that he's really good at bringing. Kind of the right people together. He he sort of I guess he recognises that he can't do everything, obviously because no one can. But he's really good at finding you know the right person for the job, and that was I guess yeah apparent straight off the bat with Cumulus um, yep. uh, Design Studio, who did the who were the architects for the building. Oh yeah, amazing, yep. and I think really brought it to life. Um Yeah, just for example, like he really he's really got an eye for people with a certain skill set and he can kind of, you know, apply that to.
0: That's cool.
1: That's
0: cool. Yeah. Hey, um, something I found a little different for a small brewery, but I also mm. really, really liked it, was how you call out your values on your website. And for anybody that hasn't been on there, mm. they are uh, leave no trace, only the essentials, out in the elements, locally grown and shouted. And I'm just wondering mm. how these values um, guided you with this new development and was Sam totally aligned with, with those from the start or is that something you developed together?
1: yeah no Sam was we developed them together but Sam was really keen I guess you know I guess going back to the the start of it was that he really believed in the um I guess idea of Decayne to begin with so he, he was really keen to adopt that kind of approach that I was taking sort of applying the brand and the beers to you know for example promoting the outdoors um like I've yeah, okay. always championed this idea um of you know taking the beers out into the bush somewhere like you know maybe the beers just being an element to getting out and exploring tassie so that was kind of you know i'd sort of stuck with that that was the original well that was the original purpose of the beer in a sense that it kind of um you know in the in the way they ended up on the overland track but um yeah sam i guess thought we could kind of push that a bit further and maybe apply that across the whole yeah, across across the branding and just in the general philosophy of the business. So we're still, um, I guess, we're still sort of pursuing exactly how that comes across, but we're really trying to flesh that out in the space. So we've got like a big map with local walks on there. Um, I mean, Lonnie gets a lot of tourists, like you know, like the rest of Tassie, and we're trying to. If people are interested in getting out and about, we're trying to be, you know, I guess, sort of a a springboard for people exploring around the north of the state, well, the state in general, really. So, yeah, we, we're kind of giving people um, info about bushwalks. And um, I like that because then selling. you're sort of
0: more than just a brew pub or a place to go and get drunk at. It's you're a bit of a community hub tourist yeah. hub destination, perhaps. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Which was, which was part of that, that idea as well. Like we've gone for, I guess, um, a real family vibe as well. So, You know, I think it's, yeah, I I think it's a cool venue. I certainly hope it is. Like growing up in Lonnie, yeah, I'd like to think. It's hard to be objective obviously, but I kind of look at it and think, yeah, I think I would have been really into this if I wasn't involved (laughs) with it. Um, (laughs) It's definitely more of a, you know, it's probably more of a daytime vibe which we were really keen on. It's a really big space um, and it's quite sort of open and airy and we sort of wanted to. Keep this feel of a large, um, you know, open space and yeah, just sort of have it feel quite inclusive. And I think that that's come across. There's quite a big kids area. So, and also, I mean, I was about to start a family. So, um, (laughs) and Sam has a young family. Um, Yeah. So, I like
0: it. I like it. So I read that you um, once upon a time wanted to actually start a stout brewery, and I, I bloody love stouts. Is there still a part of you that wants yeah. to do that?
1: Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was. Yeah, I was so keen. I still am keen on that. I mean, how awesome would that be? I just mm. think that'd be it's cool. Wicked. Like Maybe. to have to have. Little brew pub somewhere where you could just go in and it's like, oh, there's just eight stouts on tap.
0: <laughs> Maybe there can be a sub-brand of Duquesne where you're just, just dabbling with you know barrel aged stouts and
1: you know oh, pastry stouts yeah. and
0: whatever else.
1: Yeah, just got some new barrels today, actually. So I'll just sort of start getting into some barrel barrel Ooh. stuff um, here now, which would be exciting.
0: Lovely. Yeah, nice, nice. Um, so, so what are you pouring? Mm. Currently, like obviously you've got the pale, you've got your stout, you've got your pills. Uh, you've got a few uh, more taps than three, I suspect.
1: Yeah, so I've got a uh, Belinaweiser, a Raspberry Belinaweiser, which Ooh, is – Oh, I
0: is, did read about that in the Examiner this week that you've got your yeah. uh, your Raspberries likely yeah. too. Yes,
1: yeah, so we launched – yeah, from Hillwood. We launched that on Valentine's Day, which is oh, so sweet. corny. I just thought, yeah, it like, is. why not? The timing was right. <laughs> yeah. um, but um, – yeah so that's that'll probably be I mean that's been pretty even in the first couple of weeks that's been pretty well received so um yeah I reckon that that could end up being a staple or maybe ease it off coming into winter but I reckon that'll hang around um yeah they're, they're a good beer spot. Yeah, yeah. I was
0: talking with Clem uh, at Spotty Dog last last week week before again you wouldn't have heard it. But um <laughs> he he has a similar beer using uh, Westerway raspberries from down from down this way outside of Hobart and yeah. uh you know he he talks about that one being a a wonderful gateway beer for for new drinkers yeah. into the yeah. pub and is just you know unexpectedly just you know a fan favorite.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think we'll probably find that. I mean it yeah, it made a lot of sense um and I think Raspberry's pretty hard to beat. I've kind of been, I've been home brewing a beer like that probably just over summer. I mean, my parents grow a lot of fruit. In fact, that other, um, the other beer from the homebrew competition was a was pretty much that beer. It was a Raspberry Linoiser. Oh, right. so, so it's something I've always really loved. That sort of quite low alcohol. Um not super sour, but just quite tart, you know, really yep. refreshing. I love it. Very too, much yeah. like a summer a summer beer for me. Yeah. Um and I changed around the fruit a bit depending on what was around, but I think, yeah, raspberry is it's an absolute winner. Yeah. Um Expensive to though. With.
0: expensive. Yeah, to expensive.
1: <laughs> yeah. Pretty nice to work with on this scale because obviously they're I mean, they're small and they break down, so that's quite a practical um Yep. You know, thing, but uh, just in terms of getting a lot of fruit out of tanks, like raspberries are probably one of the better, one of the better ones. Um, Do you have uh, dreams
0: of creating a a a core range or along those lines? Or
1: um, yeah, so I've got, I've actually, I've never really brewed a lot of. I'm a big fan of IPA, but I've never really home brewed a lot of IPA. I mean, they're really hard to home brew because, I mean, obviously you just face oxygen uh, introducing yeah. oxygen at pretty much every stage of the process and I think like I talked with Stu um, from Ocho about this a lot back when we were homebrewing and he was kind of similar he, he was probably a little bit more um like he, he just went for it anyway and homebrewed and I thought they were cracking but he was never that happy with his homebrewed IPAs and I think it is just that they're I mean really they're easier to brew on a commercial brewery because you just have much more control, um, you know, just in terms of purging vessels and keeping oxygen out. So yep. I'd never brewed a lot of IPA, but that was something I was really keen um, with this new brewery to do. So I've done a couple of batches um, of that. We've kind of been working on that. Um, another Sam, Sam Phillips, uh, who's the other brewer, uh, we should- the two of us.
0: We should say we did it off uh, offline. We should say thank you to Sam for setting this interview
1: up too. Yeah, what a legend! Thanks, Sam. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely legend. And that's um, yeah, he's he's been sensational to have in there. Like his skill set, which is probably fairly different to mine. I think that's just one of those great things about when you start working with someone new that you can have a, a pretty different skill set, and they just kind of work together. So that's been great. And like something like the IPA has been really fun where. He's kind of loved the challenge of having um, a couple of beers or a few beers that are fairly established, like, you know, the Pilsner and Stout and the Pale Ale, that he can really... It was like me, I guess, coming on board with Paul and really, you know, being respectful of those beers and, you know, sort of working around them. But something like the IPA has been like, well, great. We're both sort of... It's a clean slate. We can, you know, create this together. So that's been really... Really cool and really rewarding to kind of have equal input into yeah, nice something like that. So we've done a couple of batches of it and we're already both super keen to get that into cans, so that probably won't be far away at all. Um, the cans have been printed and we're going to um, be punching that out in a few weeks hopefully.
0: Oh, awesome. I look forward to yeah. seeing that. A little bit, little bit different when you've got to print your cans and you can't rely on the, the silver bullets and the stickers, isn't it? Oh,
1: yeah, I know. You've got to be... A little bit more organised, um, and I basically took the approach of work, well, you know, obviously with a printed can, you pretty much you're nailing yourself down. So, yes, <laughs> six six and a half percent. I thought, like, I mean, you could stray from that, but I'm very happy building an IPA around six and a half percent.
0: That's so I'm, I'm happy got, with that. That's a good good value, I reckon. Yeah. I, I, I struggle when they get up into the nines and those sorts of things.
1: Yeah, uh, I like yeah. that one. But- yeah, I do. Yeah, I enjoy like a double IPA occasionally, but I think when I think about most of the IPA or the IPAs, I've really, you know, like those kind of 100 out of 100 scores I've given, which depending on how drunk I am, they could probably come a little do bit you, more frequently. Do then.
0: you keep a, a beer lover's diary or something?
1: I, don't, I used to use rape beer, but not oh, for yes. a longer. Yeah. I probably stopped using rape beer in like 20, when it sold out, know, 16, 17, but I, I um, I loved it, and I still look back at the first, you know, few hundred or seven or eight hundred reviews. Like I really (laughs) went hard on it for a few years, yeah. And yeah, I loved that. I kind of wish I still did. I've sort of been considering getting back into um, whether it's untapped. I guess untapped is probably the one to go with now. Can can you remember mm, any of your hundred out of a hundred beers? I mean, they probably. They probably weren't IPAs until I went. I spent time in the US, the US. and I think that's yeah. when that was when. And you was tasted really, them fresh. Yeah, yeah, and just really, yeah, the stars kind of aligned, I guess, in the, um, just just the location. There, you know, the northeast is obviously pretty amazing. Yeah, um, but yeah, probably. Probably Trillium, spending time in Boston. Those were really impressive How, to me. Yeah, God. It's, um, and Hill Farmstead, I guess. But that was – oh, the Alchemists, I guess. Yeah. There's a few. There's a few that I really just – and I guess the thing about – like thinking about Hill Farmstead, those IPAs were – I know he brews bigger IPAs, but a lot of them are like 6%. They're not massive beers, but um, just like just perfect, you know, just enough body. But, yeah, not – Nothing massive.
0: When you were in Boston visiting uh, Trillium, was the was the Fort mm. Point um, yeah. location set up? Oh, how good is that?
1: Yeah, love that. Amazing. So, Amazing I got,
0: spot. I got my wife onto drinking beers there that night because that was one of the first times she tasted a, a wild owl aged in Chardonnay
1: barrels. Oh, nice. Yeah. I only, yeah, I've had, I remember Sam and I was talking about that the other day. Yeah, I, I actually tried that. As well, or or a version of that.
0: Yeah, and we had yeah. that, and we had the chili. I think we had the chili stout that night, and there might have even been a a, a berry one as well. I forget now, but um, yeah. that was that was my f- the first time I'd ever sort of really opened her up to to sharing a beer because I'm I think from memory there was no wine available. At the at the restaurant, so she just had to suck it up, and yep. uh, oh, so I oh, was so proud when she she found one that she liked. Actually, ended up bringing a few of them home even. So
1: that's yeah. awesome.
0: Oh, yeah, so good. Was, so good. I
1: was so impressed with their beers. I mean, yeah. that whole scene was yeah. just so yeah. exciting.
0: The Fort Point's a little bit different to the one just around the corner of the Harpoon Brewery massive beer hall. <laughs>
1: Oh, uh, yeah. No, well, actually, I think I only went to Fort Point, and they had a little pop-up called the Greenway or something. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So we were there yep. over summer. So yep. we, yeah, had had a few beers in there. That was really fun, just like a big outdoor area where they were, like sort of a festival vibe to it all Oh, nice. so It was open I'll
0: every be back day, I think,
1: over summer. Yeah. Got to oh, get, get back wait. there. Yeah. Can't wait.
0: Beer and yeah. travel, how good is it?
1: Ah, it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Well, mate, uh, we, we better wrap it up because you've uh, got the family to attend to, and as do I. Um, it's been a big six months or so for you since you since you've opened this joint. You've you've had your summer rush. As I said you've you've got a family, you've got a six month old. Are you tired yeah. or are you energised now that this has all happened? Nah,
1: yeah, I'm, I've bounced back. I've I've definitely oh, bounced great. back. I think if you'd asked me that a couple of months ago, I might have been <laughs> I might have been leaning into the no i'm feeling great, I think um there was a little bit of a hump, you know just with the start of commissioning the brewery and and um you know getting into the beers that was that was probably challenging, but now we're kind of in the swing of things i'm yeah i'm absolutely stoked, and i'm heading back to Europe this year for some more beer adventures so, oh cool yeah no, cool I'm, I'm feeling i'm feeling energized, yeah,
0: nice like maybe you also start, need to start thinking now about uh your winter fest at the brewery where you can have all those taps filled with stouts.
1: I can really live out that. Yeah. <laughs> that stout brewery dream. Yeah. Mate, absolutely.
0: That that would work in in Tassie, like stouts on all taps. I think it would work. You're onto you something. Reckon? You're a genius. Yeah. You're a genius. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know about that.
0: mate thank you very much for your your time this has been great fun finding more out out about uh, what you've been up to Um, great beers for anybody who is in Launceston looking for the CBD sorry for the Duquesne Brewers in the CBD Uh, you won't be hard to find and uh, beers available all over Tasmania are they available on the mainland now? Uh,
1: they've only they've been available in Blackhearts and Sparrows in Melbourne since yep. the start, and I believe that's yeah we're going to keep keep going with that. But that's literally that's the only the only place uh, that's just in Melbourne. Yeah, good
0: good place to have beers. I got to say. Yeah,
1: no, nah, totally. If there was going to be one, then I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty yep. pleased.
0: That's where it yeah, is. Yeah, nice, nice. Well, mate, congratulations on everything uh, to date. I'll be uh, looking on um, with interest when you uh, release that IPA, because your other beers so far have been absolutely sensational. May have got a little bit drunk on the pale ale a couple of weeks ago. It's, uh, it's a ripper <laughs> <laughs> in the green Glad can. To hear it. Oh, thanks, Chris. <laughs> thanks for your time it. tonight, mate. Uh, cheers to great beers.
1: Thanks, mate. Good on you.
0: For listening. If you like the story and want to hear more, please subscribe via your favourite podcast service so that you are notified of new episodes. You can also rate the podcast on Apple and Spotify to help others find it. If you have an idea for a guest, shoot me a message via the socials. And speaking of them, if you aren't already, why don't you follow me on Instagram and Facebook? Help me spread this craft beer gospel. And then finally, cheers to great beers.